0: Alex was here yesterday, being a missionary here on our campus, talking to people about Jesus and getting to know them and asking questions and building relationships. And I asked Alex if he would preach for us this morning. I think he's going to take us to James chapter 1. So if you open up your Bibles to James chapter 1. I want to pray for Alex. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful words of life. And I pray, Father, that as Alex shares from your Word, that it would be wonder. We would see wondrous things in Your Word. Open our eyes that we would see wondrous things in Your Word. Just like the psalmist prays in Psalm 119. Open our eyes. And open, Lord, our ears, but more, Lord, open our hearts that we would receive that Word planted in it. And I pray, Father, for Alex that he would have joy and peace. Thank You for this um, visit we've had the last couple days. Thank You for his ministry we heard about in the Sunday school hour this morning and how things are going at Redeemer on the Mount. We pray for blessing on them. Uh, for continued growth, for them to reach deeper and broader into their community, to make disciples that love you and are being transformed by you, all in view of that time when we go to be with you and where you come to make a new heavens and a new earth, to restore everything to how it's supposed to be. Please bless Alex as he preaches. We pray now in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. What time do I need to land this plane? 2 p.m. Quarter after? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. If I come down here, is it going to go, rah! is it going to go crazy? Okay. So I do want to genuinely commend all of you who came yesterday. For those of you who didn't come, you're horrible. But for those of you who did come yesterday, it was pretty great. You know, I as somebody who's been in ministry for a while now, you know I'm usually the one organizing stuff and running around frantically like Keith. Keith was yesterday. You could tell he was the one sort of in charge of stuff. <laughs> but it was great for me just to not have to do that, first of all, but more importantly, to watch the body of Christ at work. And a lot of people did a lot of stuff. Starting early, some of you, you had the threat of, of pre-sip coming in about a 40% chance of pre-sip yesterday, but yet you you persevered through it and you served and you did it for the, the glory of God and for the good of his church and it's just really great to watch that and you never know what seeds were planted, you never know what conversations were had, some of you do know some of the conversations were had and the prayers that were prayed and that's what it's all about, that's what it's all about, so good job. And, and keep doing that. And I know sometimes, you know, you, you know someone for long enough and, and you, you serve together for long enough, little things can start to get under your skin about other people, the way they do a certain thing or the way they cut those onions or, or unfold those buns or, or, you know, I don't think you should use that size of spoon. I was listening. I was listening. By the way, your fellowship hall smells grand right now. Um Onions and hot dogs for weeks, Mmm. but you, you've really got to work at making sure you continue to love one another and consider one another better than yourselves, and not let those little things you know start to grate. And if there is something, and I didn't see any of this, like so don't think you know I'm talking to you, but if there are little things about yesterday that, that someone else did, just communicate that with those people sooner rather than later. You know, if you feel like it's something that someone sinned against you. Just communicate that. Again, I didn't see anything. But I know that stuff like that happens at little events or before or after, things that, well, they should have known or they should have done. You know, communicate those things rather than letting roots of bitterness grow um, so that your church can continue to be blessed and unified and that people will see love here and they'll want to come and be a part of this because they don't experience that in their own context. So, again, just good job. James 1, verses 2 through 8. So the title of this message is, God's Purpose for Our Pain. The reality is that if you're not going through trials now, you have in the past and you will in the future. Something that needs to be said at the outset is, a lot of times when we're dealing with people, there is a lot more than what's on the surface. There are things going on, there are things brewing, marinating, Simmering, whatever words you want to use, there's stuff. Some people are going through some serious trials, some serious trouble. There is suffering happening in people's lives that maybe they're not sharing. And that's why they are, a lot of times, the way that they are. And you've got to keep that in mind, that there's always, in a room this size, there's a lot of stuff going on that no one else knows about other than God and that person, a lot of times. And you've got to keep that in mind a lot of suffering. So James directly addresses, this is James the half-brother of Jesus, directly addresses something that happens to all of us all of the time. And he says something very unnatural. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. What? (laughs) What? Did I miss something? You know, you've got to back up the Can I do a little replay on that? Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through trials of many kinds. Now, notice James does not say rejoice about the trial. He's not saying when cancer hits your life, rejoice because it's cancer. He's not saying that. He's not saying rejoice when there's a death in the family. Rejoice when you lose the job because you lost the job. No, that's not what he's saying. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Anyone know? I'm not a Greek scholar. I can barely even remember the whole Greek alphabet from seminary and that was only like 6 or 7 years ago. So don't think that I'm, oh, he's really smart. I'm not. But there's this one word that I'm going to mention and some preachers use a lot of Greek in their in their sermons because they want you to think they're really smart. I'm not that guy. I'm going to use the Greek word because I want you to remember it, because I think it's a really funny word. And the word is for perseverance or endurance. Does anyone know that word, if you want to get real prideful? If you know that word, you're going to be so prideful if you know it, because you'll want to share it, and then everyone will be like, oh, you're so smart. The word is hoopomene. Anyone ever heard that word? Matt's probably heard that word. You've heard that word got a doctorate. A little PhD action there. Mm. Lots of letters after his name. It's pretty cool actually. But um, hupomene, endurance, perseverance. Why can we rejoice when we face trials of many kinds? And let's be honest, there are trials of many kinds. A few years ago, uh, we planted the church, we, we went public, we <clears throat> I may have even shared this last year when I preached last time. Um, we had our first public space, we, we opened there on Easter Sunday of 2010, and we rented the building for 800 a month, but the real rent was 4000 a month, and the understanding was that we would rent it on a month-to-month lease, and if anyone came along that wanted to pay the full rent price, we would have a month to leave. And the building had been vacant for three years before that. So we knew that there was always that possibility. But it just so happened that when that time came that someone wanted to come and use that space full time, they turned it into a bakery, that that was – I first got the news that that there was someone that was thinking about leasing. um, The week that uh, one of my very good friends who helped start the church died very unexpectedly – at the age of forty five of a very rare heart condition, he found out on a Wednesday that he had this rare heart condition, and he was dead four days later. He helped start the church, very good friend of mine for all the years that I had been a Christian up to that point. And as I was planning his funeral, his his memorial service, th- the guy next door who owned the building next door, they that he had worked something out with the person who was going to lease the building that they were going to share the space, and he had to get some contractors in there to start knocking down a wall and, and do measurements. So the night before I'm doing a good friend's funeral, this property owner is calling me, hey, i got to get my guys in there tomorrow. I'm like, no, <laughs> we have a funeral tomorrow. You can't come in here. The, the stuff that was going on in my mind at that point. And then two weeks after he died, Another very good friend of ours who also had helped start the church, who I had been a part of leading him to Christ uh, years before that, he found out he had stage 4 cancer. He was 51. And he died three weeks after we moved out of, of that building. So two very good friends who helped us start our church passed away very unexpectedly within a month, in the same month, that we lost our worship space and had to move into another building and have church at 1:30 which if any of you you know what you do at 1:30 eat sleep watch football <laughs> you don't want to worship you know so it was a tough time it was a tough time it was a trial you know how i got through that trial you know how my wife and i got through that trial because we had had previous trials we had we got through that trial because we had gone through previous trials. The suffering of the past enabled us to see God show up in a way that gave us the ability to hupomene, to endure, to persevere. We don't want to hear that. We don't like going through that. No one likes pain. You give me the choice between a comfortable day or a painful day, 100 out of 100 times, I'm going to choose the comfortable one. But when Jennifer and I's first two pregnancies and our first two years of marriage resulted in miscarriages, and we thought, this isn't the way that we thought it was going to go. God, we, 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 we left our fertility up to you and your sovereignty, and, and, and you've dealt us this hand of two miscarriages but it was God's provision and presence and tangible evidence of His love in our lives during that trial that enabled us to, when we lost our church building and lost two of our very good friends, look back at that previous one when we had lost our first two children and say, I don't know why this is happening right now. But I know when that happened, That God showed up. And I really doubted when we lost the building and and those two friends. I really had a crisis of faith. And I'm a pastor, you know, I'm out of seminary, got these degrees, this, that, the other thing. I'm the leader of the church. And I was doubting God. God, why? How? And it was only because of the previous suffering and how God had showed up that I was able to get through. Now, was I fully energized every day for ministry in that season? No, I was not. I was using sermons from years past. I was preaching stuff that I had already preached. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of fresh wind and fresh fire, as Jim Cimbala would say. But God provided and got us through that time of suffering because He had shown Himself trustworthy and faithful in previous trials. And you today encounter the same kind of trials that we do. Or if you haven't, you will. Or you have in the past. And you have choices. You can hold on to that bitterness. Or you can say, God, I believe that you are not only sovereign, and you are also good, and you are also loving. And you are doing something in this trial that is going to help me develop perseverance. Endurance. Because there's not much difference between nice pagans and nice Christians outside of the Holy Spirit and how we persevere in trials versus the pagan, the non believer. There's really not much difference. There's a lot of very happy pagans, there's a lot of very kind atheists. You see the bumper stickers now. Maybe you don't see them as much here. I see them all the time in Pittsburgh. Do random acts of kindness. Now you think, oh, who can argue with random acts of kindness? There's an agenda there. Rather than practice the love of Christ, you know, the good works, it's random acts of kindness, because that's the secular atheist version of doing good works for God. Practice random acts of kindness. There's an agenda there. So there's really not much difference between the kind pagan and the everyday Christian Christian. There are some differences, clearly. But how we go through suffering is a big, it just defines. So how have you been doing in suffering? John Piper, one of my faves, he's a sinful man just like everyone else, but boy, I think he's swell. And I think you ought to too. DesiringGod.org He got cancer years ago. And he prayed, Lord, help me not to waste this cancer. How can you pray that prayer if the Holy Spirit has not changed you to the point that you see God at work, His hand, even in allowing something in His sovereignty as horrible as that, but saying, God, help me not to waste this trial. Non-believers can't say that. But regenerate, Jesus-loving Christians can say, Lord, I don't like this. But I know that you've got a plan in the midst of this. Bless you. God bless you. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Perseverance. What's that word again? I know I'm, I'm asking you to repeat some. You're like, I hate when preachers do that. Ah, I hate that too. Believe me, I hate that. Uh, you know, and Charles Stanley, I love Charles Stanley, but how many times are you going to tell me to Listen. I'm listening! I'm listening! If you say it that many times, you tell me that many times, it's no longer effective! But just so you remember the word, perseverance, hupomene, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God has a purpose for our pain that goes beyond anything that this world can ever explain or define. The Apostle Paul talked about it numerous times in Romans chapter 5. You can turn there if you want, but you don't have to. Don't let it distract you if you have to turn, and then you don't even hear what I'm saying. Romans chapter 5. Y'all may have heard verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ pivotal verse of the protestant reformation and through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god amen justified by faith alone in christ alone by his grace alone amen it talks about glory there and i got access to it and the hope i'm all about all that right now i'm, I'm transitioning into yinzer language if you're from diner pittsburgh and that You're all about those things. The hope and the faith and justification and the glory. Rejoicing. But it continues. Paul says in verse 3, And not only that, not only that, now he's about to slip something in, isn't he? Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. How can he say that? Because, well, he explains why. Because, we know that suffering produces... Come on, Yasiel week, I'm looking at you. Hupomene! Come on, high schoolers, you got a week before you go back to school. Wake up! Hupomene produces perseverance, produces endurance. Those sufferings, they are producing something in us. Paul says it in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4, This light and momentary affliction? What? Light and momentary affliction? You ever hear the Apostle Paul talk about his sufferings? You've read some of them? He had the 40 lashes minus one. How many times? Cinco! Five times. Shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, chained. Light and momentary afflictions? I complain when I get a hangnail. How many of you did I complain about my bee sting with my you know, elephantitis hand yesterday? It's like it's really swelled up. It's going down now. I complained about a bee sting. He said, Light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. How can he talk like that? Because he's seen Jesus and he's seen the glory. He's experienced the glory. He's been delivered. He's been forgiven of his sin. How can we go through suffering and somehow find anything positive in it? Anything redemptive in it? Well, it starts with first being redeemed by Christ. It starts with first understanding that if justice was really done, every one of us would be damned for eternity to hell. But instead of giving us wrath, God in His kindness and in His great love with which He has loved us, has poured out His mercy upon us. How can anybody possibly find redemption through suffering? Through Christ. Through Christ, by understanding that we have been forgiven. That God has reconciled us to Himself. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you does lack wisdom, what do we usually lack when we go through a trial? Wisdom. What do we immediately ask for? And it's, it's biblical to ask for deliverance. It's biblical. Later on in the book of James, chapter 5, he's going to talk about praying for healing. It's biblical. But are we as believers... Too easily swayed to pray for removal from the trial rather than perseverance. What's the word? Ah, you getting it? You getting it? Hupomene, perseverance, endurance. Are we too quick to pray for removal of the trial? God, get me out of this! Than to pray for perseverance and endurance to get through it and to see God's glory manifest in our lives. Because maybe, just maybe, God has a purpose for our pain even beyond ourselves. Oh, now you're, now you're really pushing buttons here, Alex. Because you're saying God is cruel enough to do something to me, or to allow something to happen to me, so that others might benefit. And to a secular non-believer who doesn't believe in the Word of God, that is cruel. But to us, who trust in a sovereign and a loving God, who believe that He is the potter and we are the clay, and we surrender daily, as Romans 12 says, I offer my body as the living sacrifice. We sing songs about surrender, but then as soon as God does something scary in our lives, we're like, nope, I'm taking that sacrifice back. I don't, uh uh-uh, I ain't giving you me anymore. Do we really mean what we say and what we pray and what we sing? Because when God does allow serious pain, do we respond by the Holy Spirit like Job did? Though he slay me, yet I will worship him. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will return. Nevertheless, let the name of the Lord be praised. Some of you have suffered a lot more than me. I, sometimes I think, and I talk to Jennifer, I'm like, it's coming. I don't know. Is going to be one of our kids? What's, what's going to happen? And then you allow fear to creep in. Right? And then you stop trusting God's Word. And you start going through those what ifs. And then Satan, the accuser, the tempter, gets in there. And then he starts putting fear in there. And we have to fight that fear with the Word of God and, and say, perfect love. Pass out fear. And what great manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we have been called sons and daughters of God. We've got to do battle with God's Word through those trials. I'm not minimizing them. I'm not trying to diminish them. But I'm just doing my job as God's ambassador today to say that He has a purpose for that pain. He has a purpose for that trial. And it goes beyond just you, and it goes beyond just me. And it goes to His manifest glory in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace, in this church, and throughout the world. And Sometimes we've got to say, God, give me wisdom. Give, return me, renew my mind, Romans 12 style. Don't let me conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But renew my mind, Lord, so that I can have wisdom, so that I can know how to go through this. So I could share it, bear one another's burdens, share those sufferings with the church. You can't do it alone. That's why God gave us each other. You know, as a pastor, it, it grieves me when people go through trials and then they don't show up for a while. That's like the opposite of what we should do. And I know it's hard. You don't want to face people. Sometimes it's an embarrassing situation. But man, showing up. That's why if you're probably not around for a few weeks, you're going to get a phone call from somebody. Not because they're judging you. Not because they they want to pick on you or or call you out. But because they know you're best here. You're best served here. You're, You're going to grow here. People can bear those burdens with you here together as the church. So ask for wisdom when you go through trials. And don't doubt, James says, God gives generously without finding fault. It will be given. He won't reproach you when you ask for wisdom. Sometimes I make the mistake of when my kids make a mistake. I correct them as I'm giving them what they need. They need my comfort. They skin their knee. They're running on the ground again with flip-flops on. I'm like, you shouldn't be running as I'm patting them on the back. What is that? I'm yelling at them as I'm comforting them. God doesn't do that. He does discipline at times. He chastens those whom He loves. But God gives wisdom without reproach. God, I messed up here. I did something pretty dumb. Please, get me back on your path. Give me wisdom. And He'll give it generously. But don't doubt. Verse 6 of James 1. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect that they will receive anything from the Lord. They're double-minded, unstable in all they do. And the image is not of necessarily the, the wave you know, crashing, but of just water. Think of water. Think of a river, a lake, and it's calm until the wind blows. And as soon as the wind blows, the surface of the water, the appearance of the water, what does it do? It, it changes. It, it starts to blow one way. But then the wind can start to go a different way or calm down. And all of a sudden, the the appearance of the water changes again and again. And the the water is constantly changing its appearance, right? And that's the image that James gives. That someone who asks with with doubt in their mind and in their heart, they're unstable in all they do. They're shifting constantly. And again, that's why we need to get into God's Word. Memorize God's Word. Those fill-in-the-blanks on Acts 3, get her done! Yassiel Puig, get her done. Memorize Scripture. Put it in your heart. How can I keep, how can I keep from sinning against you, Lord? By, by putting your Word in my heart. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His Word is wisdom. Manifest. So ask in faith. And finally, how do we get through the trial? Well, Hebrews 12 says it. You don't endure trial. You don't persevere victoriously through trial on your own by trying harder, by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, by just other people alone. It always has to be Christ. And we look to Christ and remember how He persevered through suffering. Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Endurance. Christ-like endurance. Christ-fueled. Christ-strengthened. Christ-inspired. Christ-motivated endurance is the only thing that can get us and help us to stand uprightly in that trial. To possibly rejoice or even remotely accept that God has a purpose for our pain beyond our own struggle. You think that when Jesus hung on that cross and His mother and His brothers and His friends, His closest friends who had done ministry with Him had seen amazing things and He hung there on that cross. They thought, man, this This isn't how it was supposed to go. This isn't the way it was supposed to end up. God, why? Why would you allow this? And maybe you've said that yourself about some of the situations you've you've been brought through. God, why? Why would you allow that to happen? Why would you allow that? But three days later, you know what happened. He rose from the grave victorious. And because He lives, we can face anything because He lives. Not because we have the strength in ourselves to do it, but because Jesus Christ overcame the grave. And then they understood. Then they understood that God had a purpose for Christ's pain, for Christ's suffering. He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement that should have come upon us instead fell upon Him. He bore our sins and reconciled us to God. The ultimate purpose for pain happened at the cross with Jesus. Remember that. Meditate on that. Pray about that. Focus on that. As you go through trials. Because if God redeemed the cross, He can do anything in our lives, anytime He wants.